On this special concert series episode of Progressive Palaver, Joe, Ken, and Paul travel to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to partake in night one of, yes, the 50th anniversary concert. Hello and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album, and sometimes concert by concert. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special concert series of Progressive Palaver, I am joined in person in Philadelphia with my very, very good friends, Ken Gregory, our host for the weekend, and Paul Zotter. Cheers. Cheers. We have just experienced the first of two nights of Yes 50, that's the Steve Howe official Yes, performing at the Fillmore here in glorious Philadelphia. So obviously this year, you know, marks the 50th anniversary of the band Yes, and both camps are celebrating it in their own ways. Yes official is is running this Yes 50 tour as well as there is a fan convention that is going to occur tomorrow. So I flew in from Dallas this afternoon. We attended tonight's show. Tomorrow we plan on attending the fan convention, and then we will also attend the show tomorrow night. The last time I saw this version of Yes was out in Las Vegas, I guess it was almost two years ago. And that was when they were doing what, became known as the Topographic Drama Tour. Hmm. And I guess at that point, Alan White's health was, you know, still uncertain. And Jay Shellen was was manning the drums sort of full-time at that point. Tonight, they split the duties. Mm-hmm. So Jay started the show. Alan finished the show. Yep. And um, I... You don't like Jay Shellen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You struggle with Jay Sean. He's, he's, he's a drummer. He's, he's not your drummer. He's not my drummer. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, you know, it's it's okay. Does he have a ball on the chart? I, I don't think Jay Shellen has a ball on the chart. And if he does, it certainly isn't the size of Bill Bruford. No. No one has a size of Bill Bruford. No one has a ball the size of Bill Bruford. I'm happy I actually took a picture of Bill Bruford's ball so we can post it with this episode so, so people know what the hell we're talking about. And we are in the house that has the ballroom. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's true. So the, the three of us also saw ARW last fall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these two interpretations of yes are different. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, and, and clearly I think the driver for this particular version of yes has got to be Steve Howe. Steve Howe is, as I was on my way here today, I read Steve Howe to be this year's prog God at the upcoming prog awards. Really? Wow. Prog God, which, you know, I, I think that's appropriate. Steve Howe is a prog God. It doesn't seem like he would be comfortable with that title. You know, who could be really? It's it's an odd one to uh, to, to carry around, but you know, I think it's well deserved in if Steve's you, case. If you go on ball size alone, you have to give it to Bill Bruford. I think <laughs> <laughs> Steve is getting a good ball, and and he was laying down the law tonight. It, mm. it was in the middle of the first set. He said, if these people aren't quiet, they got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept giving him the stink eye throughout the rest of that bit. See, I mm-hmm. thought he was goofing around with them. I thought he was encouraging them. I thought he was having fun with them. I, I, I don't know. I was I was very confused. But but Steve Howe is the driver for this version of Yes. And Steve Howe, I mean, guy's freaking amazing. But, I mean, I will say, you know, this show tonight was, it was really, really well done. And I loved, I loved the set list. I thought, you know, there's just, there's a lot of good going on here. I agree. There's a lot that can be said about a lot of things. And I think you're right. We joked around with the ARW concert series, how we had heard Trevor Raven talk about how, you know, when they got together, they wanted to reimagine some of the Yes songs. And what that really meant was just him not having to play Steve Howe's guitar parts. And <laughs> it... It is fantastic to hear songs like Awaken and hear the, the real guitar lines, you know. And, and I don't know if he was playing a Steinberg 12-string 
or or what that was, but the the sound he had tonight for Awaken was impeccable. And he doesn't normally play Awaken with a Steinberger, does he? He doesn't. So no, I've never, never. And it was perfect. It was. It sounded so good. And you know, when when I watch Steve Howe play guitar, and I, I think back to when we talked about in our in our original episode around the Yes album. And Ken, you you mentioned something to the effect of he has such a live feel. It's just like you know, every time he plays something, he plays it differently, and it's just right. whichever version got there's breath, there's, yeah, there's motion in life. And he plays. I watch Steve Howe play, and I feel like this guy he probably plays guitar eight hours every day, <laughs> and you know, on show nights, you're just fortunate enough to be there for three of them. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't look at a guitar without thinking about it the last year now that you guys have me in the flavor wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I had said, you know, again, going back to um, the one episode I did on Asia, there, there, he has tiny little, I say tiny, he shows up in very specific places on that album and he's only credited with playing the acoustic guitar and 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 we'll get to sort of the energy level of the show later on but in my experience as i was going through that album you know it was a totally different asia obviously but on those tracks where steve howe shows up and actually it, it goes throughout the john Payne era steve will show up sort of occasionally throughout that and every time he does like magic happens mm. and i love it i will say you know, as he's gotten older and he's sort of embraced certain aspects of technology, like with the Variax and stuff, you know, watching Steve is not quite the sideshow it used to be with the instrument switching and, yeah. you know, his, his poor, his poor guitar tech is probably much happier about it. Sure, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I was going in the other direction. After we had our Yes Lessons Learned episode and I discussed the Variax. I expected that in the live show, he would have significantly less changes. I would just say he's got it to a point where the changes are kind of obvious and manageable, but it's still numerous. He he he, he goes. He had the the Portuguese guitar. He mm -hmm. had uh, you know that Steinberg twelve string that you mentioned. He had two different Gibsons, and they both kicked ass. They really did. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but he used to like play three guitars in a song, right? right. <laughs> so he's kind of stepped that back a little bit, mm. right? And and I will say, for what it's worth, I thought the the acoustic sound he had out of that Variax was freaking pretty cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think the very next thought that comes to my mind after thinking about this show with this with this lineup after Steve Howe. I know this guy is not your favorite progressive rock character. I know where we're going. But, you know, Billy Sherwood delivered the fucking bass today. He delivered. Big time. Yes. Yes. And and I have gone on record and I told you guys, whatever I feel about Billy Sherwood, in terms of playing and channeling Chris Squire, he can do it. Yeah. And he does it extraordinarily well. And I was I was actually happy for Billy because there were there were a couple of points tonight where he I I felt he stepped out a little bit and sort of interjected maybe some of himself into that. Sure. Up to this point, I think he he seems to have been very constrained within recreating Chris Squire, hmm. and and he does that spectacularly. I was happy to see him sort of stretch out a little bit. When I first saw him play, it was in the Open Your Eyes tour. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this guy is approaching these songs like a fan. Like he is, he's hitting all of the parts that you want to hear that maybe the original artist doesn't always do. He's, he's nailing them every time and he's putting things in that I hadn't heard in previous Yes tours. And I just thought it was really cool. And I was kind of brought back to that tonight because I, I don't think I've seen him play since since the last I don't tour. think you have. It was, it was the perfect combination of a tribute to what 
belongs in the song, but he definitely interjected his own self. And I thought, I thought it was brilliant. The one thing I would have loved would have been to see him come out with that like three or four next mm. bass for Awaken just for the effect. I don't know if, I don't know if he's using some sort of Variax bass as well, but he, he was definitely getting some different sounds out of that white bass that he played. He does, obviously he achieves a lot of sounds through his rig as opposed to switching out guitars all the time. Yeah, it was inspiring. I, I thought his his bass performance. Like, I can't wait to go home and play the bass. I was wondering. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Paul, you play with a pick. Billy <laughs> <laughs> you were in your glory. That first wood tone bass. Oh yeah, got the biting tone. In, yeah, and he brought that back out for Heart of the Sunrise. It was it close to the edge. It was in mm-hmm. Heart of the Sunrise. That that's his signature. I, I'm I'm kind of doing a Rick, but I'm doing it bigger. That was monster. So one other thing about Billy Sherwood is something that I haven't seen in a Yes or any other progressive rock show that I've been at recently. Something that I will coin as the, the Billy Sherwood effect was the large number of attractive women at the show tonight. <laughs> I'm still not certain that can be attributed to Billy Sherwood, but we'll go with that. No, I'm going to say... It could have been Tony K. Yeah, <laughs> it, it may very well. I think Tony K has aged very well. He's turning into David Gilmore somehow, and in, in the best way, in the best possible way. So, you guys, I don't think either of you have seen Yes with Jeff Downs. Have you? No, I haven't. And I still feel like I haven't because apparently the the tech tech team did not realize where the audience was going to be tonight, and they <laughs> situated their keyboards so that he was facing away from us. <laughs> That's his shtick. That he that is that, that is his shtick. That that is every time I've seen Jeff, that is his setup. I really never want to see him play live again just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> it is you know, and I wasn't I wasn't going to bring that up because. Because I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, maintain the positive vibes here, and you know, if that's what Jeff wants to do, that's fine. It's, it is an interesting choice. Yeah. But, but he's always done that. On one hand, you can see what's going on, right? You can see all the things that he's playing. I mean, I mean, you can't because right. you are hundreds of feet away from him. <laughs> but, but there is that, you know, rather than just seeing like a big wall of keys in front of him and just right. this guy, this head above them. Yep. So I, I, I guess I kind of get that. I just found it a little, it was off-putting to me that I was looking at his back most of the night. Staging aside, you know, what, what do you think about Jeff? I've seen Jeff a couple of times now. I view Jeff, you know, somewhere on the continuum. He's not a Rick Wakeman. And energy aside, he's not a Tony K. I think he's much closer to Rick Wakeman in terms of technical ability than he is maybe to Tony. I I still take up exception to that. <laughs> We've seen the videos where Tony K is a, playing like a badass. And and listen, he you know, roundabout, he was he, he was nailing all of that tonight. He was. They were both. They, they were both doing it, but yeah. he was nailing it. You are, excuse me, fucking nuts. What? Okay, this is this the guy is, has skill. That the point is. What were you watching? The point is he. Tony K. He was brilliant. He was fantastic. No, 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 Listen, no, no, no. five. <laughs> that's what he does. Listen, but Tony he K. he was he was not doing this bullshit. That any any bullshit you know, like that was coming from Jeff Downs. It was not he, coming from he Tony was, K. I was watching specifically just for this moment of the conversation. <laughs> he, <laughs> when it came to the part of roundabout for that, they were both doing. He was doing it. Yeah, yeah. He was using two hands, but he was doing it. He wrote it. He'll do that in his sleep. He well, it was Rick Wakeman on the original. He did not write. Sorry, but he he did it. But listen, five words. Tony K. Is a badass. He is a badass. He came on yes. stage tonight and lit that yep. place on fire. Yep. All the motherfuckers were sitting down the whole fucking show. <laughs> Sit un- down! Until, Sit until he came out, everyone was on their feet yep. just to watch him play chords on an organ. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it was worth it. it God so bless worth it. Tony K. <laughs> it was so worth it. 
I will I, agree with you. I The only thing about tonight's performance with Jeff Downs, and this may not be his fault, the giant part of I get up and get down section of Close to the Edge, it was just like, dude, where is your organ? Where is it? It was so quiet. It was so yeah. understated. It was like, come on, dude. Yeah, there was something else that he did in, in I Get Up, I Get Down that was kind of like, what? Joe, you were getting at is Jeff Downs is there and he's going to do it. And he's going to move your world. It's going to be amazing. But he's never going to take a chance. He's never going to take a risk. Whereas Steve Howe, Steve Howe doesn't care if he fucks up because he just, he loves every goddamn part of it. And, <laughs> and Rick Wakeman is the same thing. He yep. would just like give you all these notes and if he screws something up, he doesn't give a fuck. Well, but Rick plays so fast, if he screws something up, you wouldn't even notice. You, you can't even watch <laughs> it. Yeah. And along those lines, I enjoyed Jeff Downs the most tonight during Does It Really Happen and Fly From Here. And those were songs that he, that he played on and he wrote. It's good that you bring that up because I did feel sort of the difference in Jeff on those two tracks. Hmm. It was kind of like, ooh, okay. Good. All right, so we want to talk about the set list then? Yep. So they opened up with uh, with Close to the Edge. Oh, pretty it's good. not an opener. It's pretty bold. Damn. Yeah, I mean, bold. Talk, about, talk about taking chances. And, and, you know, we talked about this in the car ride, you know, back from, from the venue. Certainly from a vocal point of view, it, it, it took John and, and Billy a little bit to kind of warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, tempo issues aside, musically, totally solid. Which brings me to another point. I really appreciate the sort of extra stuff that John Davison brings from mm-hmm. a an instrumental point of view. Mm-hmm. I liked his little shaky stick. I like the fact that he'd go back and wail on that cymbal a little bit. I was amazed that I could actually hear him playing a cowbell. Wow. Right. I, I mean, right. I, I could hear it. It was there. And, you know, when he whipped out the acoustic guitar, he was actually playing the damn thing. He was. It does seem to appear that he has a much deeper chord vocabulary than John Anderson. And and I really liked the way he played the harp part in Awaken on the oh. keyboard. Phenomenal. So I can't say enough of how impressed I am with John Davison. He is in it to win it. The way he did the middle part of Awaken, and even with the big, like, lush, like, strums on across the harp when yeah. he's doing the strums. Yeah, he was great. Uh, I, I felt the same way. He's really in it to deliver, and I thought he did a fantastic job. But close to the edge, and, and if I have a complaint with this version of Yes, it's their tempos. They're... they're they're just a little slow. They're dragging. <laughs> and it's just like, come on, guys, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. I mean, is it, is it possible they are exactly the album tempo, but you're expecting it like five BPM fast? I don't. You know, it's funny. I almost pulled out my metronome app to mm-hmm. see what the tempo was so I could mark it and we could test it. <laughs> I should have done that. You should have. Well, we can do it tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to belabor the point, but from listening to Topographic Drama, I think, I, I think it's, it's a little slow. So the backing vocals throughout the whole night were so upfront and so right on, and the way that Billy Sherwood did the the Chris Squire role, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah. and the I get up, I get down between Steve Howe and Billy mm-hmm. Sherwood covering that back, it, it was sensational tonight. Yeah. yeah, I was always a fan of Steve singing close mm-hmm. to the edge. So I mean, hell of a way to open up a 50th anniversary tour, and. I will say, you know, this is just as a, as a little aside, I had made it a point to stay spoiler-free, and thanks to you two gentlemen for keeping me that way. Um, and, and I actually managed to do a pretty good job through crazy scheduling issues. I haven't actually been on Twitter in probably a month, essentially. Wow. And I was on today a little bit as I was in the airport coming here, and I did get one spoiler, hmm. which was the next song, Nine Voices. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it was funny because one of the things that we are preparing for on our regular series is to talk about the latter. Mm-hmm. So I, I had just listened to this not that long ago. I, I didn't expect it to be the second song out. I mean, going from Close to the Edge to Nine Voices is kind yeah. of... <laughs> you know, the vocals on it with the three of them was, was beautiful. And yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah. I, I was 
you know, I wasn't surprised when I heard it, obviously, because I knew it was going to be in the set, but I was, it was, if you had asked me what song from the latter to play, I don't know, I would have picked Nine Voices. Definitely not for me, yeah. But yeah. it it seemed to kind of work. And the thing that I liked about it was that Close to the Edge is, you know, centerpiece of their entire career. So to open with that, but then to go to Nine Voices, which is arguably a deep track from a deep album. Yeah. And they're saying, uh, yeah, guys, we're here to celebrate 50 years of yes. And this is, this is part of it. I had looked at the set list earlier and I was surprised that they played nine <laughs> voices tonight. So was it parallels? Parallels was next. Hmm. Fascinating. When they introduced the song as being near and dear to Chris and they were going to dedicate it yeah. you know, to him, it's like, all right, that's cool. And then, and then, you know, this was a case where, Jeff came out of the gate with that really, Agreed. really well. Agreed. And you're like, all right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. It was nice to hear John Davison dedicate the, the song to Chris because I think that's part of my wonder about him. Like, I, I hear him, he sounds wonderful, but I don't know who he is and, you know, some of his persona on stage. And, you know, when you hear him talk, he, you kind of get a little bit a little more, bit, yeah, more yeah. a little bit connected yeah. there. But yeah, I thought Parallels was... Really well done. And I thought it was a little bit more energetic, too. That is one of those tracks I remember when we talked about going for the one that was not sort of universally lauded, mm -hmm. if you will. Every time I hear Parallels now, and I hear the end, I couldn't help but laugh at the, the last, like, four bars where Steve Howe is trying to get every single Trevor Rabin lick in, like you said, when we when we recorded the original oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he did it tonight. He was just all it was he was all in. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from from Parallels then they, they took a step back and they did the acoustic section. Mm -hmm. So we had what, Mood for a Day and Leaves of Green? I can't imagine that anyone in the Yes camp is listening to Progressive Palaver, but they did basically What's the term I'm looking validated? for? They validated. Thank you, Joe. I knew it was something <laughs> scientific. They validated what we said on our Tales to the Topographic Ocean episode, where we said in that entire piece, the ancient, the last couple minutes are the only worthwhile part, and that's what they delivered. And I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, and I they had done that in the previous tour, and huh. I, I, I you okay. Know, it, I, so I had sort of the shock of that showing up prior. And it was one of those things where, you know, at the time I hadn't paid that much attention to the ancient. I'd probably listened to it all of three times up until that because it just wasn't really my thing. But it it was like I recognized it enough to know that it was something. <laughs> I'm like, I've heard this. And and I somehow by the time I got back from that trip, because I saw them in Vegas, I had I had suspected that it was from the ancient and so i as soon as i got home i popped it in and kind of oh, fast forward through i'm like holy crap they did <laughs> so but but that works so well and i like the way you the know amen. right right john and comes in, they, in and then they come in and, yeah. and john comes back and then billy comes in it's it, it, it's just kind of cool yeah yep. you know yeah. It, it really really works kudos yeah and and previously we had talked about you know, we're not exactly sure if Steve was giving the business or playing around with people um, during Mood for a Day, <laughs> but there was there was some interaction between Steve. Yeah, and it was the interactive for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I liked it. Was it was it Mood for a Day or Leaves of Green where he was finishing up and he was basically cueing the audience, "Don't cheer yet. It, I'm not done." It was. It was Mood for a Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was great. You stupid Americans. Not yet. Don't worry. Yeah, even when he, he played the last chord, he put his hand up before he like dropped the low F sharp third in there. That was that was great. I, that was that was great. So there was a stunning element in, in Steve Howe's delivery where he's almost a guitar teacher the entire set. Like he's willing to share this. Like he's he's like, here's my fretboard. Look at this. If you if, if you like this music, take it and play play this lick. It's not that hard. Play it. Like he's he's always volunteering his 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 thing. And then after Leaves of Green, they introduced Trevor Horn. When it was announced that Trevor was going to perform here, at some point, had the thought, wouldn't it be great if they did fly from here? Mm -hmm. 
because I know not everyone else in the Palaver is as into that album or that song as I am, but I freaking love it. Yeah. I think it's badass. And so when Trevor comes out and he's telling the story about how long ago it was that he and Jeff had written this song and they suggested it to Chris and I was just like, they're going to do Fly From Here. They're going to do Fly From Here. And when they started up, I just lost my crap. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew they were going to do that. And, and sitting next to you as you were losing your crap was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's cool. It was like in the good old days when we used to go see Marillion. And I'd be like, oh, man, if they would only do the space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They, would, they would play the space and I would lose it. But, I mean, you only get one shot for mm. Trevor Horn to do a song. Right. and. So, so you guys, you guys were were very excited about the backing vocals. Oh my gosh! In Fly From, I love the the part that they did that mm-hmm. song, and I felt like Trevor had a little bit of trouble with the monitoring at the beginning. He didn't uh-huh. sound terrific at the first couple of lines, but they fixed it. And man, when they hit, you know, when he was like. You know, we can fly, and, mm-hmm. and they're like, we can fly. Mm-hmm. And, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I thought it was just monster good. Trevor so good. was fully in his head, in his range. It was gorgeous. You know, Trevor Horn is a, I mean, like, he's one of my heroes. He's standing up on stage. Like, he's done so much amazing stuff. And he's basically standing up there, kind of like, oh, come on, guys, it's okay. Like, it, you know, let me just sing a song and get off the stage. It's fine. <laughs> it just hit his whole persona, but yeah. That was definitely a highlight of the night for me. And then they took a step way back in the time machine and went back to Time of the Word. Wow. And did Sweet Dreams. Wow. And this was great. talk about slaying. Yep. You know, and, and we were talking in the car on the way home. Not only was Billy's bass tone just freaking monster oh. off the oh. charts, the fact that he's able to to tune in those those sounds so well. It's yeah. just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It gives you everything that you want from that. But this, you know, and I don't exactly know where he he really settled in, but John Davidson started just kicking ass at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. literally when when he was belting it out at the end, I mean it was it was almost pain inducing and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, his whole persona, I think sort of changed during that song where he just became a lot more fun to watch yeah. and a lot more interactive. And I don't, I don't know if it had anything to do with, you know, Trevor Horn being on stage just before that, but for sure, I think that was the song where John Davison just kind of, you know, he just said, like, right, turned on in, cut loose. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but, was, it was a fun arrangement. It, it was, um, yeah. He, I, I, Steve Howe mentioned it was an arrangement from some, some tour they did in, in some show or something. But it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun the way they transitioned some of the parts. Well, and and so this goes back to you know we we've now made the joke several times about Trevor Raven, hmm. you know, saying he reimagine he wants to reimagine just so he doesn't have to play Steve's part. <laughs> Steve's not immune to changing his songs either. Right. right. Um, there is. And I forget what the hell. But to be fair, he's still playing his parts, right? He, well, there he are be so cha- many different versions. He like, may be changing. Yeah, he, yeah but, but but he does listen to. I think it's Roundabout on songs from Songus, and tell oh, yeah. me if you know that's certainly agreeable. Well, <laughs> even tonight, not to jump ahead, but the acoustic parts on Roundabout, it was almost like yeah. the musical realization or communication of listen, gang. I've been playing this fucking song for 50 years, (laughs) and I'm pretty much tired of it. Yeah. I've had to play it every damn show. (laughs) He he, he did it at the, what, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. Poetic license. Yeah. But but Sweet Dreams was, you know, for the most part, it was was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it was great. Loved it. I thought it was great. And then they finished the first part prior to intermission with, you know, fan favorite. Heart of the Sunrise. Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. love brilliantly executed triplets and the bass with the but the but and the gliss picking and everything? Oh, Billy just needs butter. He just yeah. he picks up he picks up those phrases and he doesn't kind of forwards and 
so that's it. And he's been doing Heart of the Sunrise for what twenty five years now, and he just like he just he does whatever he wants in between those those accents, and it's so just beautifully smooth. I loved it. To contrast that, as we were talking in the car on the way home. The um the one section that the drumming was a little a little out of control. It was a little busy for for my taste. And as we mentioned, had Bill Bruford been in the audience, he would have been like, "What is this guy doing?" <laughs> the first few licks, Shallon, I thought was tasteful. I, I know what you're saying though, because he he hit some toms that didn't need to be in the yeah part. He did. Yeah, I would say just stick to your snares. Yeah. Stick- Tear hat, stick to the Bruford isms. There's something about Heart of the Sunrise too, um, that sort of comes to light via this this vinyl binge that I've been on, as well as the Stephen Wilson remixes. I used to give Trevor Rabin grief about trying to rush through Heart of the Sunrise. Because when you if you listen to Anytime you saw them live or the live version that's on um, Yes Years, which is the, the big generator tour, mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's blistering fast, blistering fast. And I always sort of mistakenly assumed it was because Trevor Rabin can play it that fast. So therefore, Trevor Rabin is going to play it that fast. Mm-hmm. And he wants everyone to know that he can play it, you know, that fast. Mm-hmm. Imagine my surprise when I pulled out my recently purchased vinyl copy of Classic Yes, and I put it on, and Heart of the Sunrise came on, and I was like, damn, this is fast. <laughs> and I'm looking at my record, my turntable, to make sure it's like set at the yeah, right yeah, speed, yeah. literally, because <laughs> it, it seemed much faster than I remembered it. And I've, I've listened to it on CD a bunch, and it never mm. really struck me as being that fast. And so when the Stephen Wilson remixes came out, I'm like, all right, let's see if it was some sort of mistake on my version of classic. Yes. But no, that song is flipping fast here again. This is where for me, the tempo issues sort of show up. Mm. Yeah. But it's still, it's still a beautiful song. We've, 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 you know, talked so much about it in our previous episodes about the impact it had on us. Yeah. Um, getting into and understanding Yes music. The fact of the matter is we're dealing with absolutely stunning pieces of music. And as long as yep. you have people of reasonable talent, you know, executing them, yep. you can't really go wrong. Agreed. I, I just, real quickly, if if you haven't experienced the Buffalo 66 movie scene with Heart of the Sunrise, please do. You can YouTube that. I mean, wow, I have not. Okay. Yeah, it's a movie, and, and part of the sunrise comes in. So then we had a, an intermission, which is always nice. And, you know, speaking of special guests, a shout-out to Dave Presley for joining us uh, for yet, an, yet another special concert night. Very, mm-hmm. very nice of Dave to, uh, to make the trek. He said he was joking around with some friends at work, talking about how it was going to be sort of like Yes Karaoke tonight. Um, you know, kind of, you know. Sure, because it's not Talking about the tribute factor. <laughs> right. And he told me when we when the show ended, he was like, "Wow, it was anything but that." He, so he was he was, I think he's um, well, on board. I mean, that segues to my my point in the car. John Davison has tremendous vocal control at this point in his career, mm. and what I look for in his performances is kind of what he does. He'll deliver the line, he'll deliver the phrase. And he just has this breath control. At the end, he'll do like, you know, the little melisma or the roll-off or whatever it is that he's doing. And I'm so surprised how he just kind of takes it to a little bit interesting spot. And he's so good. Yeah. To the very last note of the night, he never let up. Like, he showed no signs of fatigue or right, anything right, tonight. Right. It was wonderful. Right. And I, I feel like with, with, you know, the original John Anderson and Chris Squire dynamic, um, they did what they did. They were together. But then they, they had poetic license to kind of, like, screw up and breathe at different times and do whatever they had to do. But I feel like John Anderson is kind of like, I'm, I'm sorry, John Davison is mm. bringing it into a tighter yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. So during intermission, we also had a chance to 
take note of the many attractive ladies that were there tonight, which was nice, which was a treat, a treat for any progressive rock night. Completely unexpected. Yep. And, and then, then and then we got back to our seats and got back to our seats and and they come back from intermission with perpetual change. Let's just be upfront about everything. Perpetual change is the way that ARW usually opens their show. Right. Right. <laughs> so, well, I would say perpetual change and awaken would would be the the, the clear competition. Like, okay, if if you have it out for one oh, right. over the other, yeah. You're going to go to either Perpetual Gen or, or Awaken to make your point. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think with Perpetual tra- Change, the difference is, John Anderson, can I, I think, I can't remember how you described it, but you said like in, in some of the, some of, in some of the albums, John Anderson found his like rock voice, right? And oh, he, sure. Yeah. And, and like when he delivers some of the lines in particularly that song towards the end, you know, it's just, it's just different. Like it's, it's, it's the real sauce, you know? Well, I will, I will say in, in all fairness, the John Anderson that we saw in the fall is a much improved John Anderson. I mean, I mean, whatever he's doing in terms of lifestyle, diet, vocal coach, whatever it is, it's working. <laughs> the flavor and huh. our text messaging work. We're all about the vegan references. Pretty soon, everyone in the palazzo is going to be vegan, I, I predict. <laughs> except for bacon. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call that? I'm vegan, oh except God. I eat bacon. Oh, those poor pigs. I'm so sorry. And then, okay, here's your bass tone. Does mm. it really happen? Boom. Oh, oh wow. man. Yeah. It was really delicious. You know, we talked about it before. There was something that happened on those songs. The energy from I Thought Jeff Downs was different. And that song is one from drama that I've always loved. And for some reason, I always think of Genesis with, with that song. I don't know really? why. There's some of the chords in that. It's interesting. Um, but I, you know, I have to be completely honest. I basically just watched Billy Sherwood play that song the mm-hmm. whole night and just focused mm-hmm. on what he was doing and ignored everybody else. I, mm-hmm. I thought he was masterful on that song. I had moments like that during Awake. And everybody's mm-hmm. got the little ping, 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 ping thing. I'm just like, what's Billy doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were on the Billy side. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm on the Billy side tomorrow night up in the balcony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about this, though, because remember when we did the ARW shows last year, and we talked mm-hmm. about this before, we saw three shows in three nights. The first two nights, we were down the floor really close, mm-hmm. and the sound mix was very strange, um, presumably because we were getting whatever was on the stage as opposed to whatever was coming through the monitors. Right. On that third night, we saw them up on the side in one of the balconies, sort of above the fray, if you will. And it was noticeably better. Yeah. I thought the sound overall tonight, and we were were on the floor pretty close, was pretty good. I thought the sound was great tonight. Yeah. Totally agree. Even though we were on Billy's side, I felt like you could hear everything you needed to hear. Absolutely. uh, The whole night. Well, and, and at what point did we start to get the Steve Howe stereo effect? Which that would that totally would've, awesome. That would have been yours is no disgrace. Yeah, you know, yes. they did a really fun yep. thing where they emulated the the, yeah. the stereo ping ponging going on during those breaks. I thought it was really cool, and it was it worked. It worked well. After does it really happen? We had our second special guest appearance, and so they set up this little keyboard and they. They brought out Patrick Mraz, and they played soon. Yeah, yeah. great, a great moment. They could have called any of us up there and given us the chords <laughs> and and done that. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> was it, you know, it just wasn't. You know, it. it Wait, you're you're gonna give me shit about Tony K, and you're gonna lay that turn no, right on Patrick so Mraz? No, I, don't, I don't mean it as a. I don't mean that as a derogatory. A derogatory statement against Patrick Mraz. I just mean that it, it didn't really give him an opportunity to showcase his talents. True. Right? Very true. And I really thought 
they were going to do To Be Over because it whatever Billy was playing in the beginning of that sounded like To Be Over. Yeah. And so I, I thought that would have been much more interesting. I'm glad they didn't. I'll just go on record as saying that. Yeah. But but as much as I don't like the song Sound Chaser, uh-huh. at least it would have showcased Patrick Mraz as, as what he can do. Right. Right? Like, you know, when we get to the part about Tony Kay, they brought him out to play the songs that are in his wheelhouse. Right? We all know that Tony K, his inside and out of yes were all because all he wanted to do was play the organ <laughs> and he didn't want to advance into into crazy keyboard sounds and modern sounds. And they brought him out to play songs that were in his wheelhouse. I don't really think you know, Patrick Moraz, he's only got three songs on in the catalog. That's so, it. And they weren't going to commit to learning the entire Gates of Delirium, which would have been awesome if they had. That would have been maybe, off the charts. Like, like, maybe they could have started with, like, the battle, you know, with a big, crazy... Um, yeah, we love the battle. Like, like, that would have at least been exciting. Yeah. I will say, after seeing tonight, Patrick Mraz has a very big personality on stage, which I found very entertaining, and he really... Made the most of, of his time on the stage. He did. I understand why they played soon, but yeah, I wish they would have maybe done something slightly different. Again, if we're celebrating 50 years yep. of Yes. Soon and, should be there. And, and what is more Yes than the keyboardist revolving door? Right. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In that respect, I think it's it's very cool that they've, they've included him. And, you know, I think, Tony, yes. I think Tony's playing on all of the shows, but Pat, Patrick's only on these two. So that's we're, awesome. We're lucky. I thought it was a terrific performance of soon. And again, giant tip of the hat to John Davison for not only just fucking destroying in a good way, the vocals, yeah, yeah. but um, playing the acoustic guitar yeah. in mm-hmm. the part. While, while Steve's on the, on the yeah, last deal. Yeah. That doing, was, that was great. It was really great. By this time of the night, John Davison had really started to, you know, start to win me over. And, you know, watching him play guitar and sing at the same time, just, I was like, wow, yeah, I'm, I really bought into the whole thing. I mean, he, like I said, he, he really does bring certain things to the table mm-hmm. that maybe you're not used to seeing from that position. Yep. And then we moved into Awaken, which, you know, Ken, to your point, if you're going to compare the two camps, this is the other track you're going to, to mm-hmm. do it on. Mm-hmm. I've got to, I've got to give this one a wash too. Um, I thought... You know they they did they did this really really well, and this was this was the first track that Alan White came back. To. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. and for me, I I prefer it when Alan's there. I thought Jeff did a very good job on this particular track. Yeah, mm-hmm. and as we mentioned previously, I absolutely love John Davidson on doing oh. the keyboard rendition of the harp yeah. part. I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, there's no substitute for it. The harp, having seen the harp, yeah. I like the harp. That was cool. The, the the harp is phenomenal, but I can't think of a better way to do it exactly. without John there. Yeah, Give it to the vocalist and the vocalist masters. And, 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 and he does it really well. It's, yeah. it's not like he's kind of struggling and they've dumbed it down for him. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing it. Yeah. yeah. And shout out to our boy Jay Shellen. John Anderson's, John, John Anderson's got his big stick of sleigh bells. Well, no big deal. We've got Jay Shellen <laughs> with two tambourines, baby. And, and <laughs> the, I laugh so hard at this because, you know, we've kept it pretty positive. But Joe has said some pretty negative things about Jay Shellen in the past. And he walked out with two tambourines center stage almost... Like he was slapping his tambourines, looking right at Joe when he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I, I I have to give this to to Jay Shellen for all of the grief that I've given him and everything else, because from this point on, Alan manned the drum kit, and Jay Shellen did not go away. Yeah, he stayed 
mostly in the back of the stage, but he would come up occasionally and he was on his tambourines and he was banging the one symbol that John Davidson usually manned. He did whatever he could mm-hmm. to, to maintain a part, a part of it. Of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I, and he didn't, he seemed to be enjoying himself. So yeah. I, I've got yep. to give him props for that. I really, yep. really do. Yeah. He definitely stayed engaged. The, you know, the funny thing about a weekend for me was the whole time that I was watching ARW in my mind, I'm hearing all of the Steve Howe guitar parts that aren't being played. So even though I'm trying to concentrate on what they're presenting as the show, I'm hearing all of the parts that shouldn't be happening at that time. And and so it was it's such a pleasure to hear all of those parts the way, you know, and Steve Howe plays them so well. Mm. And and he's really true even though you never hear the same thing played the same way twice by Steve Howe. No. You're hearing all the melodies and all of the, yeah, of the things. Yeah. That just elevated the song so much for me. And and yet the whole middle section, while John Davison was great on the keys and, and Jeff Downs played everything that he was supposed to play, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm playing everything I'm supposed to play, where when... You know, when ARW does it, you know, Rick Wakeman's just like, this is my fucking tune, guys. I'm going to play whatever the fuck I want. And I'm in a cape, damn it. Yeah. And he, he, and there are moments where, like, and we talked about it, where you could fucking hear a pin drop yeah. in, in those venues. He just had everybody on the tip of his fingers waiting to see what he was going to play next. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that was the part of it that was, the counterbalance. So I would, I would again say it, it's, it's kind of a draw. Right. Yeah. Each camp has strong points in each of the yeah. two comparison songs. Yeah. And again, it goes back to, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Here. Yeah. I, I really don't think that there is. And, you know, for all of my negative Nancy persona, I'm really just reveling in the ability to be able to enjoy this much yes music mm. because mm. you know with the passing of chris squire you're you're at the point where there's no guarantee how much longer this is going to go on right, right right and and there's no guarantee how long steve howe's going to continue to play at the level he's playing there's no guarantee how long john anderson's going to be able to continue singing like he is right now so i'm just going to wallow yeah. happily yeah in in every little bit of it i can get well, hats off to Mr. White. I mean, uh, truly, you think that he has five minutes in him, he's going to come out, he's going to do one short song and leave. And lo and behold, he does most of the second set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he does, you know, he does Awaken, which is, from a time perspective, probably 30 40% of that. And then, yeah. then there was the sort of pseudo-leave-the-stage, maybe. Yeah, Let me. I just want to make oh. a comment. Yeah. And I wasn't going to comment on this until tomorrow night. What I feel has never really come to fruition in the modern age. Something Rick Wakeman said in the the Yes Years, and you quoted it, I think, in a surface tension uh, in a reunion, where music overcomes all personal things. And what he said was that it's the people in the band at any given time that are responsible for carrying the music forward. One of the things that's interesting about where we are in, in this time and space is that we have these older members of the of the band that, in a way, if you will, they won't let it go, right? Right. They're not necessarily writing new material and, and continuing the, the brand of Yes. They're just touring and, you know, and we're rel- reveling in it and it's wonderful. But it does make me wonder, you know, will there be a time when... John Davison and Billy Sherwood get together and say, "Hey, let's let's make a Yes album." Is it ever possible that Yes will evolve to something that doesn't have any original members <laughs> and actually, you know, continues on in that in that vein? I love Billy's chord vocabulary, so that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But you know, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, that's all. So yeah, yours is no disgrace. Yours is no disgrace. Now, now, okay. So at this point. We have we have our our third and final guest star, and the man that Paul is currently in love with, 
Listen. That would be one Tony K. Tony, Tony K. K is a the one-handed badass. wonder. The one-handed wonder. He is a badass. Yep. And he single-handedly elevated single-handedly. He did. <laughs> he, yes. He, he did. He only used his right <laughs> hand. <laughs> There's a lot of intricate footwork going on with his sustain ball, too. <laughs> Is it? Okay. That's so, great. Dude comes out, and let's face it. No. They brought Tony K out to do I what he do does best. Listen, he walks out, and he's got the big male pattern baldness going on, and yet still, he was the best-looking guy up on that <laughs> stage. <tonight. laughs> I, I thought John Davidson looks pretty okay, good. All in right, his, John Davidson aside, in, right? In his new cleaned-up persona, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But for an original member, or oh, and, and, you clearly, know, you, you, you can't let it go by without noting that everyone was fucking sitting down the entire show until he showed up, mm-hmm. and everyone was on their feet the rest of the night. That's true. I, I do not argue that point at all. Clearly, there was a an energy difference. Yeah. When when Tony K was yeah. on the stage, so he has some sort of X factor. At least tonight, he did. The only person who could have done more than what Tony K did, maybe, is Rick Wake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Imagine throwing Rick Wake in the middle. Of how could you even put maybe on that statement, Ken? <laughs> I mean, let's not be crazy here. I mean. He's a ham, and he would have done the same thing that Tony did. Look, but. look, I've got to give Tony props for reveling in whatever it was that he did tonight. Okay? Because he clearly enjoys it, but let's not put too much emphasis from technical perspective on what it was. Well, so this is, this is a lesson for everyone out there in the corporate world, right? When you allow people to do things that are in line and aligned with what their strengths are. Yes. Great things happen. Yes. yes. And, you know, we didn't bring Tony K out to play Awaken or any other song. You're we, absolutely right. We brought him out to play Yours is No Disgrace. He was there for Roundabout, but to your point, he was just kind of enjoying himself. And Starship I Trooper. He was pretty damn I, in the moment. I thought he played great in Roundabout, too. Yeah. But, but, you know, he. but Jeff Downs was doing whatever. It doesn't matter. We, we brought him out to do what he does best. We played to his strengths. And he had a blast. Everyone else had a blast. And it was a, it was a fucking highlight of the night. It was pretty fucking awesome. So, so to your point then, the encore with Tony K included Yours Is No Disgrace, Roundabout, and Starship Trooper. All of those songs, big, big hits. Yeah. You know, big fan favorites. Although I... I have to say, I was a little disappointed in the crowd here this evening. Wow! I, I at least they stood up for three songs. Well, they I mean, <laughs> they, they <laughs> more than trend. Yeah, those, those who stayed stood up for three songs, but a lot of people wow. kind of disappeared during yeah. this three song set. And it's like, so, so really, we're talking about yours is no disgrace. Roundabout and Starship Trooper, I, I and you're notice. going to leave. I didn't notice. There was everyone behind us, probably. Everyone behind us left. Everyone to the left of us left. And, yeah. And, and I just, I thought that was kind of weird. Well, you know, it's Friday night and there's traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly a rousing encore. I'm as tired of Roundabout as Steve Howe is. <laughs> but, but I, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. So for me, it's fun because I never listen to that song anymore because I'm tired of it. It's a great. So song. when you hear it live, it's a fucking blast. It's a great. And song. I had a great time. So 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 Ken, what what I was saying as I listened to the Stephen Wilson remasters mm-hmm. was that I was struck by how good a song Roundabout really is mm-hmm. because I yeah I, I guess I mentally glossed over it right anytime right, it's right. ever it's been easy. on. Well, there there is a mathematical genius to what uh, Steve is inserting into the beginning roundabout, and well, the middle. I mean, whenever he's got the solo acoustic section, it, it, it it's fantastic. It, it's kind of like you can pause here, or you can pause here, or you can pause here or here, but you only get this many pauses, and if you use up all your pauses. 
and you have to play the remaining notes really, really fast. He's <laughs> 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 got rules, and I love it because he'll do it a little bit different at each gig, but he still abides. <laughs> the beginning and the end is as far apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, still, he still knows his limits. And, and he makes sure everyone can follow him. He's, he's true. A, he's a teacher. He's a true leader. Since, true. since I'm the since I'm the Eeyore of the group, I have a feeling in my head that there was something within Starship Trooper that was off. Am I wrong? Am I just misremembering? Am I crazy? Because I, I, I don't remember what it was, but I just have this sort of mental note that huh. something in Starship Trooper. It's got I, I don't, two distinct. I think massive. it was. I think it was in Worm. There was something in Worm that was just kind of like, what? But I can't remember. Maybe I'll pay attention for it tomorrow night and see if it's still there. In all fairness, when we got when we got to Worm, I somehow just kind of locked into Billy Sherwood, and I I, I wasn't even really paying attention to the song. I was just watching what he did. Patrick Mraz came out with a tambourine. Maybe that was what was wrong. That's right. They, Patrick Mraz came out with a tambourine. He just kind of was doing random things. Jay so. had his tambourine. There was a lot of tambourines going. Yeah, there, and, were, and, and maybe, there were at least three going and, on. And maybe that's exactly what it was. The The end of Worm just kind of turned into a big mess. It's like there was too much going on. Yeah. I wonder where Trevor Horn was. I was wondering if he was going to come out. I'm thinking, eh, maybe he's just he's back. Classy, he's so. back at his hotel already. Yeah, yeah he, does, he doesn't do tambourines. Yeah. He's like sleeping already. Not his he's the only one who still gets laid. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this set. I'm very, very happy with this with this show. I thought it was it was a great show. I thought the venue was a little weird. Uh, the The Fillmore was not necessarily what I was expecting. But well, chairs were not very comfortable. Chairs, no. Even though everyone decided to sit down through the whole show. That's right. <laughs> well, I thought that the decor was a little bit weird. I was think I was expecting more of a traditional theater type uh, vibe. Gotcha. Yeah, based on on maybe what I had heard, but. Yeah. So hip spot I, in town, apparently. That's... Hip spot in town. I really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the fan fest tomorrow. Mm. Hopefully, we'll get some interaction with Roger Dean. We might get to talk to some of the others. I don't know what we'll find. Then we've got another show tomorrow night, and we'll do another episode for that as well. So, you know, this is this is just the beginning. And it was a great weekend. beginning. Great it, beginning. Fantastic beginning. Absolutely can't wait. So, we're going to put a pin on it for now. Thank all of you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoy the next one that we have. As always, if you were here or have seen Yes on this tour, have any questions, comments, whatever it may be, we are available on the three major forms, or at least our three major forms of, of <laughs> social old, media. The old people forums. Yeah, the old people <laughs> forums, that's right. But, you know, hopefully our, our audience is, is in line we're with that. We're trying to get our own skin on Fortnite uh, for the next Battle Pass. <laughs> 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 anyway, we are available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, on all three of those. You can email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. And Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription and download on both iTunes and Google Play, for those of you <laughs> new to the whole Google thing with podcasts. <laughs> Side joke, folks. Not a big worry. <laughs> and uh, until next time, thank you for listening. one of those songs that I don't know that translates well live. Apparently Ken thought I was done my bourbon just now. <laughs> so I'm holding he's, mine. Uh, he's getting me a fresh he's getting me a fresh glass. <laughs> well that ice looks like it melted a little oh, bit. Oh no, this ice all stuck together. Alright.
You're going to have to. It would have been okay for me to finish that, just for the record, just for tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't we wait until the, uh, yeah, until the, the, noise is, the noise is done. That way there's only one edit or clean. That's right. good, Ken. That's perfect. Thank well, you. Why, why don't we... Um, Thank you. Yeah. Are you still sipping that, Joe? Yeah, I'm good for right now. Although, if, if it's going to be giving you brief, why don't you just wax them in there right now? No, 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 no. <laughs> put ice right in there. We'll just freshen it up, as they say. I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's going to be barely enough time to wake up, shower, and get to the, the carnival. Yep. The carnival. <laughs> Wow, that's that's good looking awesome. Hear that? That's palaver goodness. 